0: QA Holes Podcast presents the C Report for Monday, March 8th, 2021. And welcome to another edition of the C Report tonight for Monday, March 8th. I hope you all are doing well. My name is Mr. C naturally. And I hope you guys had a great weekend as well. Let's go ahead and make sure I start getting some of my stuff going here before I get too caught up. We are, of course, broadcasting, podcasting, simulcasting live on Twitch. So welcome, welcome to any and all out there or those who may be joining us. And, of course, recording for Spreaker so that this way you can catch all the C-Reports. Anytime you want, just head over to... Our uh QA holes podcast spreaker website. Um, let's see here. I think I have it written down somewhere. It is uh yeah, Spreaker.com slash show slash Q dash A dash holes. And there you can catch all of our shows from the QA Holes flagship Saturday and Wednesday night show to the Sea Report to breaking news with Joe 1 of two to uh, special reports that we do from time to time with the likes of myself or MAGA or any other members of the QA Holes podcast family. Just make sure you check it out over there when you get a chance. All right. Okay. I think we're good now. go and get that guy going there too. All right. Okay. So how was the news weekend and end? Well, there was uh, some news. I mean, Judging by some of the aggregate, you know, like, uh, <clears throat> whenever you start kind of gauging the topics that people were talking about, you can kind of feel like when there kind of might be a a, a bit of a, a lull or a, uh, a denouement. No, I'm just kidding. Because, well, actually, you know, maybe this is kind of like a denouement, because that's French for like, you know, right before we take out the bad guys or something like that. Anyways, no. But um, as I was saying... Um, we uh, did have some news going on today. Now, uh, something we'll be talking about later on in the broadcast is the success that the Californian electorate, the constituency of California, has reached in um, actively calling for a recall of Gavin Newsom, the governor over there. So we'll take a look at that. They had a um, news conference on Sunday, a, a press press conference uh, the people who were heading that up over at uh, RecallNewsome2020.com, I think. But but we'll talk about that a little bit later on. You'll get to see it. We'll listen to what the guys had to say. I thought it was very heartening to note that California is trying to make a comeback. And uh, where they once led the country and, you know, the field of entertainment and the likes, uh, they've fallen so behind in um, national pride, and even an identity, if you think about it. Uh, because what is a Californian anymore but um, an East Coast and a West Coast type of uh, uh, entity? Uh, swamp creature? Anyways, uh, these guys were pretty cool that were running the uh, news conference. Uh, but, we'll, but, but like I said, we'll talk about it a little bit. But anyways, let's go ahead and get into some news now. There was some... Uh, Trump news this weekend, actually, believe it or not. (laughs) So let's go ahead and see what we got. Now, there was a couple of things going on this weekend with Senor Trump. Uh, First of all, actually, let's talk about this one first. First, uh, he uh, releases a press uh, release where he's asking GOP entities to stop using his name and likeness. So officially now... We are seeing President Donald Trump separate from the camp of the GOP, though he is continuing the Republican name. Um, It's kind of like whenever he would sever ties with like um, some sort of world entity that we have no need to be a part of. Well, based on how the American public voted, and I don't think just in the name of voting for the president, but also for candidates that he supported, the way that he flipped the houses, the way that he maintained their hold on the seats, but then also there was a surplus, like they gained seats. uh, because um, Because of his endorsement, it shows his strength and his power with the party. So he can officially say, hey, you know, uh, was it Republican, Nas- Republican National Committee, uh, National Republican Senatorial Committee, National Republican Congressional Committee? Stop using my name. Stop using this uh, this this uh, smiling mug right here. Just you can't do it anymore. So he's basically putting on notice now. In an article uh, from the Epic Times, it says that former President Donald Trump did send a cease and desist letter demanding that the uh, RNC, N-R-S-C, the N-R-C-C, stop using his name and likenesses. Um, In a speech before the Conservative Political Action Conference in Orlando on February 28th, Trump instructed supporters to donate to his campaign website and the Save America Political Action Committee. The move suggested Trump aims to build financial leverage over the RNC, a theory that seems to gain credence because of the cease and desist letters. Calls placed to the RNC, NRSC, and the NRCC as of May, March 7th were unanswered. As of the morning of March 7th, the NRCC was still using Trump's name in its standard messaging for new email list registrations. The homepage of the NRSC adv- advertised Trump T-shirts from its online shop. So that gives me a little bit of an idea. Let's do a little bit of uh, on- let's a little, do a little bit of online sleuthing. <laughs> Let's go see, while we finish up this article, if the NRCC is still using the likenesses of Trump as of uh, March 8th, going into March 9th. This is just, you know, some little fun stuff. Uh, Let's see, we defend your conservative right, blah, 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 blah. Hmm, no? I don't see any pictures of Trump. Well, I guess uh, they are taking heed. I would imagine it would be on their, uh, it would be on their front page or something of that matter. But nah, I don't see anything here that shows that. Uh, I think these are some of the guys that were like constantly badgering me for money. Uh, I was like, dude, you guys aren't even doing what I want you to do. So leave me alone, okay? Well, I will uh, stop giving them. Oh. That was a little preview. Stop giving them, uh, stop giving them, uh, adding to their hit count. Okay, now back to the article. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, stand with President Trump and House conservatives is what the message showed. Show your support for President Trump's fight against Nancy Pelosi and the radical Democrats by giving a gift today. It just goes to show you how some of these people just use, uh, you know, uh, political entities, um, or, you know, they can uh, hijack political ideas um, or common sense ideas, which are usually the ones that uh, are the ones that work. According to Rich bears the director of Big Data Poll, Trump's instructions to donate to his website and PAC handed him leverage over the NRC, <clears throat> which may make a financial hit as a result. If he wanted to, he could basically bankrupt them into submission. Bears told the Epic Times. I know there's a lot of people in the Trump world who are rightfully angry with how the RNC raised so much money uh, when they were jointly connected and did not appropriate it right, or definitely didn't appropriate it to the efforts that they said they would, like election integrity. There's another element to this, the hidden horse race, which is the money race, the RNC and the National Republican Senatorial Committee, the National Republican Congressional Committee. If these guys can't raise money because Donald Trump is sucking all the oxygen out of the room, they're in a lot of trouble because their candidates are relying on their support. George Santos, a Republican running for Congress in New York, told the Epic Times last week that by passing the RNC for fundraising, we'll send a message to the committee that they need Trump more than they understand. This is a great example of how he's more powerful individual than the party actually is at this juncture, is what Santos said. Mm, pardon me. So, yep, yep. Um, things is getting real now, guys because now that uh Trump has taken um basically America by storm and 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 has awoken the republican base up and and right now being out of the picture and allowing Biden to do what he's doing I believe he's also starting to flip some of the democrat people out there and not so much so because um <clears throat> they're you know, maybe starting to go blue to red. I think maybe it's just that the paradigm is being shattered is really what's going on. Because then what they're going to see happen is they're going to see Trump go against the Republican Party. And they're going to be like, what, what, what? He is Republican. He. It's like he's making a third party, but he's also at the same time not. Um, So I I think if they see, I think if I'm not talking about the people in in D.C., I'm talking about, you know, us people here, the constituency. If they see him doing that to some of the bigger rhinos, uh, some of the people that some of these people, that some of these, uh, I don't know, uh, lifelong Democrats probably have been uh, passed on through their genes to despise and hate like Republican leaders, uh, maybe you'll start to see more of a shift in the mind I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I think that uh, definitely, most definitely, (laughs) most definitely, yes, um, uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, watch to see. And I would definitely agree that uh, Mike Pence drinks milk teenies. And we will be talking about Mike Pence a little bit later on in this broadcast. So stay tuned, dear um, viewer. Okay, so let's talk about the next Trump story today. This has a little bit to do with um, Ellen Wood, but a lot to do with the Supreme Court now. As we know, the Supreme Court has just totally been basically showing its true colors. Um, I think it's something that we... Could have expected from a long time ago. And then also uh, keep in mind that all of this, again, is showing the hand. So we've seen the pawns move throughout the entirety of this uh, election battle, the battle for America through uh, 2016 up through 2020. Now we see like members like the Supreme Court. We see members of the Republican Party. Um, We see other factions, even in the uh, right wing, areas showing their true colors and where their supports really lie um we're seeing uh countries show uh like international other international leaders show their support and where they lie for example like boris johnson like we thought boris johnson was on our side we thought he was another trump well he was just a trump doofus that made people vote for him because he looked like him he, he looked like i don't know a ret- he, he was just a big old doofus okay they're like get get a trump ringer to UK so they can talk Brexit and then walk away from it, which is exactly what Boris did. So we're seeing international partners uh, who are coming out. Um, We learned that the president of Mexico was actually a very good ally with Trump in um, very in orchestrating uh, using the military forces of Mexico to support the border wall and what was going on um, as far as like detaining migrants in Mexico and not releasing them into America. So we're seeing all of these pieces move. You know, we're seeing like Australia and Canada reveal themselves to be just Truly just European uh, United Kingdom crown, because they are crown colonies after all. But look at what's going on there. So I think at this point in the chess game, we are seeing more of the back line of movers coming forward. We're seeing the rooks come up. We're seeing the bishops come up. The knights are coming up. We ain't got to the queens and the kings yet thems is bigger fish to fry, but it's going to take just a little bit more time. Now, the Supreme Court is where we're seeing a lot of this movement going because we had like Justice Roberts, who we will also be talking about a little bit later on in this broadcast, but not too much later. Um, and and we know that uh, his name has come up a lot in association with, with like the Epstein crowd. But we also know that there is another John Roberts and is most likely not the Justice whose name was on the Epstein clean flight log that does not absolve him from not being blackmailable which is exactly what I think is what we have been seeing this whole time when there are pretty like flat out constitutional um Uh, you know, safeties that we can fall back on, but yet they choose to ignore them. They choose to give a president standing when there are like almost 20 states, almost half the union is supporting his his case. That makes no sense unless this person is blackmailed. Um, This could be the case with any president from any party, um, not just because it was a Republican or a Democrat. It It could happen to anyone. And that I think is the most important thing to remember. So let's finally get to the news after that big old splurge of talking. Um, Supreme Court refuses to hear Trump's last remaining election challenge. From Matthew Vadim, the Supreme Court on March 8th dismissed former President Donald Trump's final remaining challenge to the 2020 presidential election results, a lawsuit challenging the results in the state of Wisconsin. At the same time, the high court also declined to hear an emergency petition for Uh, for mandamus brought by pro-Trump lawyer L. Lynn Wood, who on December 30th, 2020, asked the court to block the January 5th, 2021 runoff elections for Georgia's two U.S. Senate seats. Uh, The races were won by Democrats who unseated two incumbent Republicans, handing control of that chamber to Democrats as President Joe Biden began his term in office. The court, as its custom, when refusing to hear petitions... Did not explain its actions. No justices indicated if they were dissenting from the dismissal orders, as they had before, like Clarence, and um, they uh, they 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 felt that they should have not have, they should have listened to the court cases and not just uh, dismissed um, uh, them previous three that Trump had had. And I believe this was the last one, as it said. <clears throat> In the case at hand, Trump v. Wisconsin Elections Commission, the court file 2883. Trump argued in a petition filed December 30th, 2020, that the commission violated the United States Constitution when it established rules for mail-in voting without the consent of the state legislature. In petition, Trump sought to appeal to to appeal an unfavorable decision um, for December 24, 2020 ruling by the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit. The commission and local elections officials implemented unauthorized illegal absentee voting drop boxes, compelled illegal corrections to absentee ballot witness certificates by poll workers, and encouraged widespread voter misuse of indefinitely confined status to avoid voter ID laws, all in disregard of the legislature's explicit command to carefully regulate the absentee voting process Trump's petition stated. Now I'm going to break from the article right here, real quick, and just say everything that was listed here are also elements that they're trying to make legal retroactively in HR one, implementing unauthorized legal absentee voting drop boxes, complete illegal corrections to absentee ballot witness certificates by poll. These are things that, like, they will retroactively make legal um, all of their emergency powers, voting powers they had under COVID. Uh, to change um, to change the elec- uh, election process in whatever counties or cities that they wanted to, um, and to do so without the legislative uh, oversight, meaning you know legislative vote, instead they just had uh, um, you know judges and you know mayors, whomever, just decide what it was that it was going to be, and now they're going to legalize that in HR one. Back to the article, for example, in June, and and more, not just that, uh, not just those examples read. For example, in June 2020, the Democrat mayors of Madison, Milwaukee, Racine, Kenosha, and Green Bay filed a grant request with a nonprofit called Center for Tech and Civic Life regarding the Wisconsin Safe Voting Plan 2020. The plan applied only to the five cities and attempted to leverage private funding unauthorized by the Wisconsin legislature or any federal entity to bring about mass absentee voting to favor Democrats. The mayors received the full $6.3 million they sought from the CTCL, which was heavily funded by Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, the petition stated. So now you remember Zuckerberg had been uh, had donated, oh, X amounts of millions of dollars into election security, election integrity, um, you know, election diversity, making sure election sites were available everywhere. Mm-hmm. But then he also did say that if you didn't follow the mandates or the directions that he'd sent with them for the use of the money, that they would have to pay it back. So, um you know, it was kind of a little bit of a pay-to-play there. Uh, CTCL funding not only paid for programs which undermined state elections law and allowed municipalities to circumvent clear policies of the legislature. It also injected partisan politics into these illegal practices by sending funds to Democrat Uh, strongholds, including for drop boxes for the return of absentee ballots, the petition stated. In the petition, Trump challenged the rules under the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment and the Electors Clause in the Article 2 of the United States Constitution, which gives state legislatures control over how much each state's presidential electors are appropriated. Later, after Biden was certified by Congress as the winner in Wisconsin and inaugurated as president, Trump filed a supplemental brief February 9th saying the issues at hand were still relevant because they would affect future elections, including any in which he might again seek office. Moreover, Trump argued those who violated the law in Wisconsin and elsewhere by altering voting procedures at the 11th hour needed a deterrent to discourage future bad behavior. And of course, it looks like to deter that future bad behavior, they're just going to legalize it with H.R. 1. In the brief, he acknowledged that in the intervening period, Congress accepted electoral votes for president of the United States from the state of Wisconsin for President Joseph R. Biden, and President Biden was sworn in as 46th president of the United States. These events have mooted aspects of the relief initially sought by petitioner, yet key issues are not moot based on the capable of repetition yet evading review doctrine. The exception applies where one, the challenged action is in duration, too short to be fully litigated prior to the cessation of or expiration, and two, there is a reasonable expectation that the same complaining party will be subject to the same action again, the brief stated, citing Supreme Court precedents. The narrow window in which legal disputes may be resolved following a presidential election weighs heavily in favor of applying the capable of repetition doctrine to resolve issues capable of reoccurring. Otherwise, non-legislative state actors may be emboldened in future presidential elections to make even more last-minute changes to state election laws, contrary to the electors' clause than occurred in this year's election. And then, of course... Any way that they use to cheat that year, the following, you know, um, year, they just uh, do another HR1 and make it legal again. And they'll just make every form of cheating legal until basically they have a manual on how to cheat an election. Anyways, uh, the dismissal March 8th came after the Supreme Court threw out a series of legal challenges on February 22nd to voting processes and results in several states left over from the recent presidential election cycle, as the Epic Times previously reported. Those cases concerned the presidential elections held in the battleground states of Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, probably worst beaten child to least worst beaten child in that order. All right, there is that. There's that article. <clears throat> and then, of course, we have the Trump one. So now what we were going to talk about, uh, there's dead Trump. We'll leave him on the screen. So we we, uh, we had a mention here. There was a name drop uh, 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 by a man who's basically been censored and banned and litigated off the face of the world and is currently going into tinfoil crackdown. It is the pro-Trump president himself, Lynn Wood, L. Lynn Wood. Um, Now, I don't believe this man is a tinfoil uh, hat. I I think, however, that there are many people, probably um, center to far left, uh, that believe that he is uh, one over the cuckoo's nest, and um, half of them believe that just because he's a religious man, not even because he's a Trump supporter. So I think that's a shame as well. But uh, this man recently released a set of transcripts that I thought were very interesting, uh, first brought to our attention by our news director over at. QA Holes podcast, Joe, one of two. So thank you for that. Now, we're definitely going to look into that tonight. As you can see here, I have the transcript right in front of you. And we are going to read some of this. Um, we are definitely going to read some of this. And then we're going to go into a little bit of a breakdown of it with an article that I found in a very interesting place, I might add. Um, but let's see here. Uh, so basically, what we have going on here is a transcript that was written released by Ellen Wood, uh, involving a whistleblower as well as Rod Rosenstein, uh, Mark Ryan and, or Paul Ryan, I apologize, Mark Ryan, where the hell did that come from? And Mike Pence and Justice, uh, Roberts as well. Um, so these are the players kind of going on in this, uh, little menagerie of, um, you know, white rhino individuals. <laughs> I mean, there is no more white rhino than this kind of a white rhino. Uh, but um, it's very interesting because I have always contended, I have always held that, let's see, do I have a, f- uh this man who I cannot stand. Um, I've always contended that this man was always meant to be the LBJ to uh, JFK, um, for President Donald Trump. In other words, he was meant to step in if they were able to uh, successfully remove by any means necessary President Donald Trump from office. Um, never, ever, ever, ever. I always had a gitchy feeling from this man. And uh, that was before I found out that he was into electroshock therapy. But that might actually be something that he's into in his personal life. I would not doubt. I've always contended that this man is probably a freak behind closed doors, Um, whereas others would uh, hold him up in esteem as a godly man and a puritanical man that only dines in the presence of one other set of labia, that being his wife's. I was like, yeah, right. Uh, You can see it in this man's uh, demonic, psychopathic Gerber baby face that uh, he's got some skeletons in the closet and uh, the meat has probably not fallen off of all of them. I should say skeletons, right? Anyways, so in this, uh, transcript, uh, apparently also, uh, we see that, uh, the ones who were really vying for office of vice presidency because they, uh, office of the vice president is because they had every intention of removing Trump, um, was, uh, Paul Ryan, Mitt Romney and Rod Rosenstein. Um, and, uh. A couple in the party were actually upset that Pence had gotten in instead. Uh, I don't know how Mitt Romney and man, you see what? Do you really? Do you think that the reason why Mitt Romney is acting like this not because he's a rhino, but because he is like, um, you know, a, um, a bitter, <laughs> a bitter scorn lover? No, just kidding. Uh, he's like, oh, Trump didn't pick me. I'm just gonna ruin him. Um, but no, uh, that's not the case. So let's see. Let's get to some of this transcript here. Okay, so the whistleblower um worked with them. And see, it's a tra- it's a false transcript. There was an article where someone was talking about um how this was actually a uh, a valid document. Um R. D. White is the name of the whistleblower um graduate school would be University of Pennsylvania, Johns Hopkins and University of Maryland, University of Maryland Psychic Pro- Physics Program, excuse me. <clears throat> Uh let's see here. So that's a little bit about the whistleblower. And then this whistleblower apparently has popped up in a few other places under different uh aliases uh, to protect him and uh is has been consistent in his backstory in each of these instances. Uh let me see here. And I was like, do I still have pence on this screen? <laughs> There was a part where it was getting kind of juicy. Um now the, the 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 transcript itself is 191 pages, so we're not gonna actually read through all of this, obviously, but um it says right here. Okay, let me go ahead and expand this a little bit for you guys. I don't know if you can read it, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Fit to pay. now nah. Okay. <laughs> I lost my page. Okay, no. It says, "Uh, but now in the video, I tried to warn President Trump about the people he was dealing with daily, and especially Rod, and things like that as they were working together to remove them, trying to compromise the people around them when they possibly could. Interviewer. Now, how were Rod and... Rod Rosenstein and Mike Pence connected? That group, I mean, they're all interconnected one way or another. That particular group was Rod, VP Pence, Paul Ryan. That was the core of that group. Rod was in there, but that was the core of it. It was an attempt where Rod was the brilliant legal mind behind it to remove President Trump under the 25th Amendment. They had an operational name for it in the beginning, Run silent, run deep, but nobody really used it after a while, and it didn't make any sense because it was such a small group. But that's an old movie about somebody being passed over for a promotion, which they both felt they were. Now, VP Pence hated President Trump because he had taken his slot as rightful president. He felt that he did, and Paul Ryan was actually considered running as well for the vice president slot. And Mitt Romney was also involved, but they don't. They thought President Trump was an outsider who has not paid his dues. They just don't like him. So once VP Pence was in there, once President Trump was elected, and obviously Vice President Pence, he just walked away and everything became very quiet. That was their mole inside. So he could run interference and make certain things and change and just keep tabs on the president and manage him. Interviewer. So was this a friendly relationship between Mike Pence and Rosenstein, or was there any kind of leverage being placed on the president or the vice president at the time? There was leverage on Mike Pence because of surveillance from way back in the 2013 range. They had gotten FISA warrants to exploit and Rod had that. He wanted the vice president slot himself. Then, if they could remove President Trump, Vice President Pence becomes president, and Rod felt that he would be the natural selection for it. Paul Ryan felt differently, as did Mitt Romney, but that was the overall goal, each one of them vying for the vice president slot. Rod thought he was the clear winner because of his legal brilliance and his management of the Mueller investigation, and special counsels and things, you know, he would be the one to remove the president, damage him so thoroughly he could be removed, and he deserved it. Interviewer: Okay, do you know what type of leverage would have existed over the vice president? The vice president has had homosexual relations in the past. It's not a problem. Many of them were adults. This is something he had done throughout his time in the Congress. When he became governor, he had thought that he was free to explore them more. There were two specifically that they had recorded. One gentleman, roughly 20 years his junior. They had a fairly steady relationship. There was one about half his age that was much more sporadic because it was more dangerous, harder to get time alone. This person would introduce others, bring people with him. He'd have people waiting when he'd show up. And it was that second one that he introduced younger and younger people. This is whomever, he's 17 and he's really 15. Uh, This is whomever, he's 15 and he's really 13. And Rod and Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, a lot of the younger people involved, the ones that were brought as favors were supplied by Jeffrey Epstein's channels through his channels, his people. We were able to get FISA warrants because Chief Justice Roberts had vice court and helped prepare them. But it was also, Epstein was an intelligence asset of some type to various agencies around the world. They used his information. They exploited it for their own good. So... When he was here or his people were here, it was easy enough to justify a FISA warrant on them. You know, they would enact a warrant, surveil everything, document it, but they would not help and they would not save the child. They would not, you know, reveal it. It it was more important for them to have the leverage on everything. And of course, this was under their own corrupt ideas, but under Rod, his tutelage. And they wanted the leverage. Interviewer. Do you know, do you have any idea how Epstein and Supreme Court Justice Roberts initially would have met or how that relationship would have developed? How they would have met. I think they met when he was under bush not too long after he was appointed somewhere al- along in there just meeting powerful people something like that he did help him with his adopted children from what was said there from what was said there and what was you know discussed openly in this little dirty trick squad the children are not genetically brother and sister but they're raised that way so that's more valuable to them One, if not both, were originally from Wales, but they were in the Epstein channels and were easily removed from their version of foster care to Ireland, which has much more adoption-type records. He facilitated this for Robert so he could adopt them both at the same time. There was a little gap, but it was just paperwork, and Epstein had done that for him. So they met, they worked together, and he was doing favors at some point. Interviewer Was this something Supreme Court Justice Roberts would have paid for? Or is this, you know, a favor exchange to Epstein to link him up with these children? Or I don't know at that point. It's impossible. It could be either one. I don't think there would be a payment at that point. It was more of his position. There would be some type of favor. But I don't know either one. I don't know what either one does was done. He facilitated it. Um, Was there payment? Was it a favor? I can't say. Interviewer. Okay. Can you go into any more detail on Supreme Court Justice Roberts with these children and the circles he ran in, as far as you're aware? Children are often used as the commodity, a way to buy yourself into certain inner circles. And these people are all wealthy They're all powerful and they don't trust you unless you're as compromised as they are. So you provide children to them, your children, adopted children, whatever. This is how they trust you. You're as dirty as they are. You cannot be exposed because you can't expose them. They can't expose you. If everybody's just as dirty, you know you're safe. And like I said, this is a way for them to buy their way into these inner circles and get access to whatever children are the payment and the dirt and the control. Interviewer: Now who else would you who else would we want to talk to or is there any additional documentation that we could pursue? Okay, so I'm going to stop there. Now that my friends is a hefty mound of dirt to think about <clears throat> with these individuals. Uh, and that's just from what, like maybe four to five pages worth of this transcript. And then, like I said, there is a whole lot more that is going on in there. Um, now there was an article that I had mentioned, uh, before that I had read. Now, back in the day, um, I, uh, I used to pay attention to like some, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh. Uh, some videos by like uh, this group called Project Camel. Actually, I wasn't really into them, but I knew of them. I was familiar with some other people in the circles, but they had written, uh, I always find it interesting when you have kind of like that, that new wave spiritual, but they intermingle like the current events and the politics, that's very interesting to me. Uh, Some people don't do it so well. But anyways, so they actually had an article on their website, which I haven't seen in like 10 years, And um, it has a breakdown of the entire transcript. So here's some takeaways from the transcript. Uh, Chief Justice John Roberts is gay and highly controlled to keep that secret. Roberts adopted his children illegally with the help of Jeffrey Epstein through a child sex trafficking network in the British Isles. And he immediately proceeded to use his adopted children to sexually entrap and blackmail powerful people. Now, I did not read that last part in the transcript but then again i didn't read the entire transcript um i mean it's 191 pages and i just got it what the other day but anyways that's not the point point of the matter is that last that last clause i'm not sure about but everything else we read it in the article itself mr white uh here's another point mr white uh the um, whistleblower also says roberts helped with some logistics in an fbi false flag operation to kill several supreme court justices during hillary clinton's first term so that she could then pack the Supreme Court with globalists and communists. Very interesting. This plot was foiled when Mr. White was hired by someone at the office of the Supreme Court to infiltrate the operation. However, those trained and armed by the FBI FBI to commit mass murder fell back to a plan B to execute Justice Anton Scalia, who was considered Hillary's greatest threat. Now, that's very interesting, Plan B because from what I understood, you could say that Justice Scalia was executed. Um and uh, what is the kitty should be in bed by now. Uh so what I the information I had received is Justice Scalia was at a ranch, uh at Epstein ranch in New Mexico. Um, if not, um what was that uh Richard guy? Um Bill Richards? or Bill Richardson? One of the two. um, And he was actually, his throat was slit by the boy that he was raping. That's what I, that's the information I had heard. Um, Let's see here. It says, uh, Mike Pence is gay and likewise controlled. Prior to becoming vice president, Pence had two steady lovers who were significantly younger, but then he got framed into having sex with a 13 year old on video. Pence's wife is totally aware of this and helps him manage and schedule his trysts. Mike Pence hated Trump, and he worked together with Rod Rosenstein, Paul Ryan, and Mitt Romney as their mole in the White House. The idea was to get rid of Trump by using the 25th Amendment, then for Pence to become president and for Rod Rosenstein to become vice president. In other words, Rod Rosenstein was not joking when he talked about wearing a wire to frame Trump. In fact, White says he did wear a wire more than once, attempting to do just that, to no avail. Uh, Says Judge Emmett Sullivan, the federal judge presiding over the case of General Mike Flynn, is an anti-black racist and a violent incestuous pedophile who raped his own granddaughter for years until she was no longer a child and he lost interest. Sullivan once injured her so horribly that she was hospitalized and made him and he made his son, the girl's father, turn himself in for the crime in the state of Maryland. Wowzers. I'm going to have to read the rest of this transcript because that's heavy. Um, As a federal judge, he was able to bury the cases with the help of then USA Attorney Rod Rosenstein, Maryland Congressman Elijah Cummings, now deceased and Baltimore Mayor Catherine Pugh. i think however <clears throat> records of the case still exist in the federal system mr white says it can be found on pacer sullivan's son is also very a very sick pedophile who also raped the same daughter for years and he was later busted again for trading images of child pornography judge sullivan had four homes in a beach community in delaware that he used for his trysts with female children and that he would lend out to joe biden for his own pedophilic trysts Mr. White describes Joe Biden as a well-known pedophile, and he says that in many of those videos, we've all seen of Biden sniffing children in front of their family members as they're being sworn into their government posts. Those children have been promised to him for his role in securing of those positions for their parents. White said Joe can't control himself because he's anticipating his payoff. So that's why you see these sniffing videos. Wow, that is that's sick. That's sick. That is disgusting. And if there's any, if there's any credibility or any truth to what I just read right now, then not only does Joe Biden need to go down for sniffing those kids, those parents need to be put down also. I mean, like, put down, killed by, I mean, they need to, they need to see their day in court if they're using their kids as political, as political bait to move up their career. That's disgusting. Moreover, Jill Biden knew about his perversions going into the marriage. Indeed, she was 15 and Joe was 30 when they began dating. White says the Biden grandchildren are all sexual abuse victims as well. Space economist uh, Molly McCauley was murdered by the same crooked DEA henchman associated with Rod Rosenstein's Dirty Trick Squad, according to White, Uh, Because it was she who figured out that they were using satellites to steal elections using the Hammer uh, supercomputer with Scorecard and Sunrise software. Rod Rosenstein was heavily involved with the Hammer program. Now, don't forget Hammer and Scorecard, which were used in this election cycle to cheat the elections. And and don't forget, those are two different types of of software. One is, uh, more about finding, uh, let me see, let me see if I can get this right. One of the programs is about, um, collecting all the data of individuals. And the other is about being able to make programs to use interactive, uh, internet activity to form and shape opinions and control things on, um, on uh, uh, using computers and internet data, so this is Hammer and Scorecards. What they did, where they uh, they they took the they took the numbers and then they spit them out and they use that software. It's it's um, that type of system. What really happened to Seth Rich? I had suspected that. Uh, let's see, it says the whistleblower who came forward on the second year anniversary of Seth w- Rich. Uh, let's see, the writer of this article, her name is Carrie Cassidy. She believes that this whistleblower from this Ellen Wood um, transcript was the same whistleblower that came forward on the second year anniversary of Seth Rich's murder in July of 2018 when Matt Couch and a Republican lobbyist, Mark Berkman, set up a press conference to introduce him as a new witness in the Seth Rich murder case and he called into that uh, press conference. Um, it was clear to Carrie that Luke was also... Oh, she's just going into how she connects all these identities, but anyways... Uh, I think that's it as far as some of the information in here. Let me see. Um, Yeah, the rest is kind of like, uh, kind of a a remembrance of uh, the Seth Rich incident. And for those of you who don't remember the Seth Rich incident, he's the one that was murdered um, from the DNC. Uh, and he had, what, the DNC server data on a thumb drive, uh, along with a hammer and scorecard uh, from what Tori says. Eh, 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 eh. But anyways, uh, so, and then the, the MS-13 was involved. What I did not know is Donna Brazil was involved in that, according to this article. Um, it says, for years, we've heard rumors that Donna Brazil was at the hospital where Seth Rich was taken, and White confirms this in his full transcript. So the whistleblower that we just uh, have been reading about, it says, uh that she specifically remembered there was a Reddit post about B- Brazil being there showing up at the hospital that night and that Seth's room had been cordoned off and he was denied treatment. And then it says uh, that Donna Brazil and her girlfriend, DC mayor Muriel Bowser were waiting at the hospital before Seth was even brought in. And they also had people at the crime scene in order to recover the thumb drive, which everybody knew Seth was uh, always kept on his person. Um, so yeah, that's just, that's crazy. That's just some, Pretty interesting ties are being made here with that. But, uh, uh, there was a, uh, and then don't forget, you know, with the, with the, that was uh Donna Brazil and, and she was given the questions to the, uh, the, um, <clears throat> debates for the DNC and stuff like so all that, all that, uh, corruption basically, but dang, that is just, that is pretty intense. So Ellen Wood dropped those transcripts recently in regards to Pence and uh, that is wow, guys. That is something else. Let me tell you what. That is something else. All right. Let's see what we got next. Come. I think that is all we have for the Trump news at the Merriment. Let me go ahead because uh, I kind of figured that that would take up a bit of time, and we've got quite a way to go. All righty, everybody. Welcome back to the Sea Report. Let's, let's see here. Oh, that's not the Report. That's the Sea Report. And thanks for tuning in. All right, so we got through some of that. I thought it was very important to share some new developments going on there in uh, the orbit of Trump and all of this corruption that we're seeing from the people. Like I said earlier, when we were talking about the uh, Supreme Court, we saw all the pawns moving the last four years. Now we're seeing some of the heads i think at least at least in in this part of the hydra coming out to play but as for now i think we have let's see we already saw that one we've got california in the news all right cali california what is going on with california now I knew those transcripts were going to be a mouthful. And this is a story I did want to get to because I just think it's a, it's a marvelous example of the resiliency of the human spirit, the American spirit. And it really shows how we as a people, uh, when we unite, um, really can move mountains. And I thought it was very encouraging. Uh, some of the statements that the gentlemen the gentleman make and yes, I'm, I'm propping up California, believe it or not. Hello, I'm here in Texas and I'm propping up California. What is coming? What is going on here? It seems that California is getting serious about taking their state back. And um, it is, it is the, the biggest amount of evidence that you can see is in uh, uh, the unity of voices, the unifying action of people uh, surrounding the recall of Governor Gavin Newsom Killer Gavin Newsom, it doesn't have quite the ring to it as Killer Cuomo of New York, but Killer Gavin Newsom, there he is. He's like, ha ha, look at me. I'm going to go eat dinner with some friends and you staying home. I need the streets empty. God, look at that. Smug mug. Let's see what's going on with uh, Gavin Newsom. California uh, recall campaign. We have the signatures to recall Gavin Newsom. Uh, this comes from Breitbart. Leaders of the campaign to recall California Governor Newsom announced Sunday that they have gathered nearly 2 million signatures, half a million more than required, more than a week before the March 17th deadline, to force a recall vote. Uh, The Sacramento Bee reported leaders of the effort to recall Gavin Newsom, California governor, said Sunday they've collected uh, 1,950,000 signatures a little more than a week before the deadline, a number they believe will be more than enough to trigger a special recall election. County and state election officials still need to verify that nearly 1.5 million are valid signatures from registered California voters before the recall can qualify for the ballot, but recall supporters said Sunday that they're confident they've collected enough. The most recent signature verification numbers from the Secretary of State's office found that about 83% of the signatures counted by early February were valid. There's no guarantee that validity rate will hold for the remaining signatures, but if it does... Proponents would reach the threshold needed to trigger a special recall election. The recall vote, if held, would require two questions. First, whether Newsom should be recalled. Second, which candidate should replace him? It is possible for a candidate to replace Newsom without winning a majority of the vote, as Arnold Schwarzenegger did in 2003, when replacing Gray Davis. So let's talk a little bit about this press conference, because honestly, I am quite surprised that at about noon today, there was still coverage of this press conference on here. Thank God. There it is. It's still on here. Uh, it's... a uh, it's a uh, it's a Hanukkah miracle. Um, okay, sorry guys, I'm going through my notes here. <laughs> okay, so yeah, because it, it was on Fox News, um, so we are gonna watch some of this because, like I said, I was very uh, I was very uplifted by the perspective of these Californians um, and their drive uh, to take back their country. And also, um, I was also uplifted by the encouragement, the encouragement in their words because they are excited that this had became a, more than a political thing. It was a grassroots, to- as, like they, as they like to say, it's a California thing. It's not a Republican thing. It's not a Democrat thing. It's not a political party thing. It's a California thing. And they're gonna recall Gavin Newsom. So let's see here. Mm, Recall Gavin 2020 is the name of the website. All right, let's go ahead and just get this going because I did not write down my timestamps. Oh wait, here it is, okay. All right, okay, we may get a commercial, so hold tight. It's the only problem about YouTube. They'll demonetize the hell out of you. And they'll ban you even when you're not making any money off of them. And they're still making money off of you. I don't understand these people. Anyways. So yes, uh, let's see here. While this baby. So you don't tell me that they have deleted this video now. Okay, let's get her going. Now, I was watching it live yesterday. All right, here we go. Okay, so let's get this... uh, um, since David- I knew it! There's always a commercial, but at least we won't have any more after this, so you don't got to worry about it. Okay, now, let's go ahead and turn our attention to these fine Californian men. Oh, my control. Oh, my stars and garters. Oh, that's why. My bad. It's okay. We're not professional or anything here, y'all. Enjoy. Yep, so it's been a, little year year. a little over a
1: year. A little over a year now. Yep. So I've been lucky to be able to come on about uh, four months ago, five months ago. Um, so I have 1,950,000 signatures uh, that are here today is monumental and historical. Uh, We'd like to announce, as of today, we have 1,950,000 signatures. Uh, That is more than enough to be able to have this initiative qualify for a special election later this year to let the people finally
2: decide who and what is going to happen with the fate and the future of California Governor Gavin Newsom. We are still setting our sights on getting an additional number of signatures in order to bridge that. 2 million mark yeah and we're we're excited and hopeful that, that we're going to have that in the time that we have left and we have until march 17th and that's st patrick's day uh, but we want
1: to get this done immediately we want to get this done in the next couple of days because we don't want to have any shenanigans we don't want to have any we don't want the politicians to go ahead and derail the movement that the people have created for so many months now and with this team who has been just so dedicated uh, mike you want to chime in
3: Yeah, I want to state specifically and i have said this before, this is a lot different than any other kind of initiative or election that's gone out, period, probably in American history. Of the 1,950,000 signatures collected, our guesstimate is at least 1.6 million of them collected by volunteers up and down the state. And for those of you in the press that have seen things before, I don't think you've ever seen a volunteer movement like this. It's literally people from all walks of life, all parties, all religions, of diversity across the board, collecting united against one thing, and that's the fact that California needs a new governor, and needs a new governor quickly, and we cannot wait for the next election cycle. And anybody here, you can debate about that, but I think when you look all around California, and when you take a look at the Secretary of State statistics, you will see that every county in California, almost without exception, has participated in this process. That is not, This is not one group doing it. It's all 58 counties participating in a process to exercise our constitutional right to recall the governor of California.
2: Uh, we're, the world we have close to, I believe, more than, how many volunteers do we have now active, you guys? There's anywhere from... 5,000 to 10,000 people out gathering signatures. And, and that's every single day. And, and that's boots on the ground every single day of the week. That's remarkable. So um, we're, we're tracking a, a, an average of about 92,000 signatures a week at this point. And I think what's also
0: important to note, to Arne's point... Can you imagine that? Over 5,000 volunteers on the ground per day that want Gavin gone, and I gotta say, the guy in the center, he's just very California to me in that suit he's wearing, I don't know, anyways, uh, back to.
3: It's not only how many we're tracking per week, but even at this late stage with the number of signatures that we've announced, the momentum is building. Californians are are consistently becoming more disgruntled with how their states run. They're con- Constantly, every week our signature total is going up, and the reason for that is Orrin and I, and the whole coalition and the people, we give them a chance to participate, take action on recalling the governor, and taking action means getting people to sign the initiative. And, and, our, and our, where can they do that? At recall yeah, Gavin? <laughs> In case you haven't noticed, at RecallGavin2020.com. Download the petition, sign it, and get it sent to us
2: pronto. We Immediately. We've made this as easy as possible. People can go to RecallGavin2020.com, download the petition at home, and print it up. It's on standard-sized paper. The, the address to mail it in is listed right there on the bottom of the form. Get it into us as soon as possible. We have until March 10th. To, to get all of those in and then and then process them. And then we have to return those back to their prospective counties. Every f- one of the 58 counties needs to get those petitions in hand and delivered by five o'clock on March 17th.
0: What? So yeah, so you heard that guys. So uh, March 17th, I went ahead and let that play through in case there's any Californians out in the audience. But now this part here, This is where we get to some of the brass tacks. This is where we get to the meat and potatoes. This is where we get to California standing up. Um, Just pay attention to what they say.
1: One thing we want to let everybody know here, and especially to the politicians across the street and the lobbyists who have destroyed California's dream for so many decades and generations now, that your game's over. Uh, We're done as politics as we know it. Uh, From now on, the people are in charge of California.
2: The governmental monopoly and the one party rule over California is over. And we're going to, politics as usual and business as you once knew it in California is over and done with. Yeah, I
3: want to say again what we just stressed here. We are just average citizens. We have not been in politics, Orrin and I, before. We're not professionals who have done this for 20, 30 years. It shows again how you can mold modern marketing techniques. With the power of the people to get something done. When we started this, and it's interesting today looking out and seeing all the folks here, but when we started this, no one really gave this a shot because you said you're not backed by big money. This is not possible. i have never done this before. It, it can't be done it without the political infrastructure on both sides. The lesson to be learned here for everybody watching this is people make a difference in having a say in your government. People make a difference every day in being able to... Make a change. And that's what this is all about. It's not just about recalling Gavin Newsom. It's about making a change in the way that California is run now and needs to be run in the future. Oren just said it. You can't have a supermajority of any party run anything for too long, too big. It doesn't work out well for the people. And look out in the windows of your streets and see what's happening. The average person in California, which we are, just average people, need to have a say in how the state is run, and need to be heard. And, in case you haven't noticed, Gavin Newsom is not listening, and it's time he paid the price for it in a recall election. We want to let everybody know one, two, one
1: thing to real quick, is about the number of people who have signed our petition thus far and how they break down as far as the party is concerned. Absolutely. Maybe you can go ahead and fill them in on that.
2: Well, there, there's we've done an internal study on a number, a large number of signatures, I think about 20,000 signatures that were, were gathered... And we compared those in a random sample against the voter registration database. And it shows that 31.5% of the people that have signed this petition are other than Republican. And that is significant. So this is
1: not a Republican movement. This is a California thing. And the electorate has risen up. They've taken advantage of what we have been able to do as a campaign uh, based upon tens of thousands of interested volunteers. And we've given them the tools needed to be successful to. Do what they need to do to sign that petition, mail it in, go to their neighbors. You know, every place you go in California, you'll see a recall Gavin Newsom 2020 um, table, uh, a sign-up table, a petition gathering group. These are all volunteers. Nobody's getting paid, um, and that's that's magical. That is that is a blessing from from the political gods to know that people really do care about California.
2: We're
3: also going to ask out there that everybody in the press really pay attention to a lot of articles coming out about Gavin now, and there's a lot of material out there. One of the things that drives me and Orrin and Randy every day is the fact our governor in California is not paying attention to the way he's awarding contracts, taking undue influence from lobbyists, and the way that um, he's affecting even the distribution of the, the COVID vaccine. When you take a look out there at how our, do you realize that the governor of California has
2: just asked to extend his emergency purchasing powers for another year? I think think he's paying attention to how he's awarding contracts. I think that he's actually profiteering (laughs) off of this pandemic by using the executive powers to override the safety mechanisms of the bidding system in place, the governmental bidding system, And he's using the executive powers that's been bestowed on him, as his lawyers have argued in court and lost. Um, But he's using that to override the bidding process and grant these no-bid contracts. And you can speak more to that. So we're asking the people of California and the press secretary to really pay attention to this. The last year, Gavin
3: Newsom has awarded over 100 no-bid contracts. The 12 largest contracts have gone to his biggest donors, including the distribution of the COVID vaccine, even when specific counties asked to be opt out. Gavin Newsom is not listening to his own party. He's not listening to the counties, but he seems to be listening to specific lobbyists, like what's happening what came out in the papers today again on the water desalination plant down in Huntington Beach. We Californians at the people level are paying attention We ask that the other politicians with us pay attention too, because this recall should be a wake-up call for all politicians, that the people of California will take action themselves to recall a politician if they're not doing their job. And we started with the governor of California, and for those of you not paying attention at home, it's only the third time in history, or the fourth time in history, a recall will actually get on the ballot, and probably the third time it will actually happen. Third time's a charm. Third time's a charm, <laughs> and although it happened once before in California, it's going to happen again. Be aware out there, California politicians. We're watching, and be out there. Where be aware, of lobbyists and consultants. We're watching the people. Of, this is just a sign that the people of California will and can take their state back.
0: So, okay, I'm going to pause there, and don't forget when they say consultant, that means their trade. Ha. Anyways, um, so. <laughs> Sorry, not to diminish these guys, but but absolutely so. So this is uh, this is um, the case that we're seeing here. California is rising up uh, now. I haven't come across any active articles regarding the COVID slash nursing home uh, matter in California, though Governor Newsom did have similar mandates uh, when COVID broke out in regards to the nursing home population. But we'll talk a little bit more on that topic later on because definitely amidst all these other scandals we don't want uh, we don't want things like um i don't know manslaughter to go unpunished but it, it, again back in regards to, to to what's going on here in California this is just one example of how uh, when the people get together and there is a topic as unifying as such they will come together and uh, through this press conference, because they're about to open up to questions, we won't we won't look at that part. But they are asked a couple of times if it is a Republican thing or if it's a Trump thing, and they're saying no, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with. Californians coming together and they talk about how when they have these stands out there and and they have these events where people are coming together to sign petitions or to organize for that, that they're finding that you have like Republicans, conservatives, lifelong Democrats, even left wing progressive Antifa people coming together to get this done, to get the recall of Gavin Newsom like, underway and and on the election uh, for a special election. So uh, it's a unifying force, and that's kind of the theme that I'm trying to stretch here. Now, one thing that's interesting, and I I am honestly extremely surprised that I saw this, um, and that it was on national television, during this press conference, which a lot of people I don't think have really heard about this press conference, like I said, it was live Sunday afternoon. Um, they uh, they 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 end the press conference soon after the questions, but then uh, Oren Healy, who is the tall the 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 uh, the linebacker build, uh, I don't know sheriff looking guy. I think he is a sheriff actually <laughs> in the gray um, over off in the corner, uh, Mr. Healy right here. He introduces um, he introduces another person to speak, and, and I don't think this was totally impromptu. It's totally impromptu. but he was like, "Oh hey, come on up here and share your experience about Gavin Newsom." Um, and the this was filmed on Fox uh, Fox News. The film, film guy uh, asks her about her political stance and she goes on to relate that she is a lifelong democrat and he asks her again about her political stance and he's like i'm not trying to press the issue but this and so I, I mean, honestly, I would be surprised if there weren't someone in his ear saying, get the hell up, what are you doing? You can't show a Democrat unifying against a Democrat on a conservative station. So I want to show that because I don't know, this this footage may be non-existent at some point, but I thought it was an amazing example of how we as Americans can come together on issues we don't have to stay divided. We don't have to stay divided uh, on party lines. Like that's the most ridiculous, you know, thing. And and um, I don't know. I thought it was inspiring. So uh, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and give some attention to this lady here. Um, let's see here. Voted oh. for
2: oh. Gavin Newsom. This is oh, Andreas and That's is- and she voted for Gavin, and she has another little spree in this middle. I'll let you share it. Uh, yeah, um, well, I am...
0: Her shirt says, we the people, not I the government. I
4: would call a lifelong Democrat, and I moved to California a decade ago, and I was pregnant with my third child, um, and I had my first son born, and I named him Gavin after... Gavin Newsom, whom I had paid attention to uh, from where I grew up in Washington State. So, kind of as a gesture, as a transplant to California, and just out of respect for uh, Gavin Newsom. So, and I've been involved with this um, effort to recall him. So, uh, I guess that's what Oren kind of wanted me to say about that. And yes, I did vote for him. I did vote for is him. Is there
0: something specific that Gavin Newsom did that made you want to pick up the task of calling
4: Um. Well, I heard someone ask earlier about like what the hot topics are right now and the schools being closed uh, is, is a big issue. Uh, I have four children and um, I have a lot of friends who literally have left California because they don't have schooling for their kids and um, just a lot of really tragic stories like single moms who can't get their EDD checks like I think either Mike Netter or Oren was talking about the corruption with the EDD and so life has become really unmanageable for the average person you know with businesses dying and not knowing if they can recover, families not having school. I mean, these are really basic things in, in my perspective. Uh, I have quite a few friends whose, uh, you know, children are having like depression issues, maybe mental health issues, even suicide. I mean, these are things that you know the average Californian wasn't dealing with a year ago. So this thing has kind of gone off the rails. That that so it, no, is it
2: a leadership issue, or is it a circumstances issue? Is it wrong place at the wrong time? Well, is it?
4: what I know about Gavin Newsom is he has changed 400 laws by executive order just since the lockdown, and that represents.
0: See, the news directors were like, "Damn it, Tony! I told you, you're a cameraman. Stop asking questions."
4: Since um, I would say misplaced leadership or lack of leadership. Because there are three branches of government. There's executive, legislative, and judicial. And so a year ago, when he closed the state down, he cut out the other two branches of government. And, you know, we're still a year later, can't get our kids back to school. We're the only state that's doing this. And I understand these were maybe exceptional circumstances, but... Why is California the only one that is watching the mass exodus, is seeing their people flee to Texas, is having businesses die, not having children in school? So I, at this point, would even take issue with the word leadership. I don't see him as being a leader. I, I see this in a different light a year later, um, as someone who's living with the reality of not having school for kids again. That's a huge issue for families. That's why many, many families I know have left. And it's, it's
1: more from my personal sure, interest. Yeah. Do you prefer a Democrat? Do
2: you Prefer a Republican? Um, you do you know, have
1: an interest in who well, would replace
4: him? I, I do. I don't. I don't know who I would vote for. Um, this has been a real journey for me because, um, again, I. I don't see this as a partisan issue. I've been out on the ground getting signatures, and I see a lot of Democrats signing, coming up, and saying, you know, they lost their family business, they lost their home for whatever reason. So I think this, this notion that they were talking about earlier of politics changing in California, I think that's really true. I think perhaps we've been a little bit of a blue no matter who state. And I think people might be waking up to that process or logic not necessarily serving Californians. I know it's made me dig into places that I never expected to go and start to understand kind of the inner workings of politics in California in a way maybe that I didn't understand before. Um, I hate to uh,
0: take advantage of your time again, but no, just, I'm here just say your name again. And my, how do you spell it? My
4: name is Andrea. A-N-D-R-E-A, last name, H-E-D-S-T-R-O-M.
0: Andrea Hedstrom for, uh, I don't know, I guess, Democrat something or other. She seems to have a head on her shoulders. I don't know. She's a farmer. And And your mother?
4: I'm a mother of four, um, wife of one lovely husband named Dan, and he is a school teacher, and I'm a bit of a backyard hobby goat farmer, and we want our kids back in school, and we're ready for something different.
0: Personally, not my cup of tea. I mean, I'm not really into the librarian type, per se, but, I mean, she seems to have a good head on her shoulders. I mean, why can't we have people like this on all parties? Or not like her, per se, but you know what I mean. Like, uh, someone who thinks...
4: Different in in california and and whether that means i'm going to be a republican i i don't have an answer to that question yet i'm just discovering this process as i go i appreciate you yeah and remind me i'm a fox fox news like fox 40 or fox news News. nice to nice to talk
0: with you thank you very much that is so funny like fox news like he's like fox news like this is gonna be on fox news bitch That is hilarious, um, but uh, interesting though. I mean, that's a good testament there. That's a good testimony to uh, a true awakened American. And like, why don't why haven't Trump supporters run into people like this? Like the last four years is <laughs> what I want to know. Where have you been? <laughs> where have you been? She's like, I've been. Actually, we know where she's been. She's been tending to her family and her four children because of everything that Newsom did to the state of California. Yeah. poor lady but at least she can still you know afford to uh take care of her children uh and you know have a home because we know a lot of other people were hit in a different way but i just wanted to share that with y'all you know i thought that was kind of uh an interesting uh touch to put on uh for the evening with this individual and also with the Gavin Newsom recall again the American spirit uprising again We're going to go ahead and tip our hats to Californians for finally showing a little bit of balls. Okay, so let's see what's up next. We're not done with California uh, yet. We have one more California story on the news tonight. And uh, this one is just going back to another example of election fraud happening in the United States of America. And uh, what is the one thing that we were told does not exist You know, aside from, um, I don't know, uh, 9-11 and stuff like that. No, uh, they told us that there's no such thing as election fraud. That election fraud is a boogeyman. It is a Santa Claus. It is something that you pray to, but it doesn't exist. There is no such thing as election fraud, they said, left and right and right and left. And yet here we go, another case of election fraud. So just in in what I'm aware of, not including all of the shenanigans that were reported by the Trump attorney team, not all of the basic knowledge in regards to you know like the uh, voting machines and the technology and software and the companies and it going to uh offshore uh, servers and uh, the, being shot back to America via skydal in Spain and all these other things uh all of the fraud that was going on on the ground at the uh, ballot counting centers and then there's also all the fake ballots and the mail-in ballots. And, And then, you know, uh, election day turning into election week under Biden. So all of this stuff aside, that doesn't exist, apparently. We have some cases. uh, We had um, four or five arrests in Texas already. Um, One was a group of individuals. One was a single-handed lady, a lady that was single-handedly doing it. And uh, then the fallout from that, what we saw was a Republican judge suing her because uh, this lady dropped her name as one of the individuals that was uh, paying her to harvest the votes of people in San Antonio, Texas. So, election fraud doesn't exist, eh? Then uh, we see that uh, in Aberdeen, Mississippi, there was a case of election fraud that we covered on the C-Report last week that just came out where there was even more cases Uh, In this case, it was like something like 70% of the ballots were found to be fake fraud, fraudulent. It was uh, 70% of the vote. 78% of the vote found in Aberdeen, Mississippi, but election fraud doesn't exist. So here's a new kind of election fraud that we may not have been informed about, but hey, they'll take them where they can get them. Actually, no, this is not a new kind of election fraud. This kind of election fraud-ish we kind of saw in Georgia. And that is where uh, people are registering um, an address. uh, What, a thousand signatures to the same homeless shelter? Or how about this entire lot, empty lot, addresses here? Uh, That kind of fraud, you know, uh, on paper fraud. (laughs) Uh, So this story comes uh, from Jack Phillips, Mayor Pro Tem of California City, resigns after pleading guilty to election fraud the mayor pro tem of northern california city resigned after he pleaded guilty to election fraud according to local reports last week crescent city mayor alex Protem alex campbell entered the plea to making a false declaration of candidacy in del norte county superior court local news outlet wild rivers outpost reported citing the city's clerk's office Campbell submitted a form to Del Norte County Clerk on August 6, 2020, saying his current address was in Crescent City, when his actual residence was outside the city limits, Deputy District Attorney Eric Bryant told Del Norte County Superior Judge Bob Cochran. I guess he didn't get that gerrymandering going through after he won the election. He had faced two felony counts of perjury and one count of false declaration of candidacy KIEM-TV and Wild Rivers reported, but the Del Norte County District Attorney agreed to dismiss the perjury charges. Campbell faces two years of felony probation and fines of up to $20,000 and restitution of up to $10,000, said Cochran, according to the reports. So, in filing the vacancy, the council has two basic options for them. One is to hold a special election, which can be pretty expensive, or the other is to appoint someone into his position, City Manager Eric Weir told KIM-TV, while confirming that Campbell if formally resigned last week, which that position would then appointed up until the next general municipal election, municipal which would be November of 2022. Campbell didn't comment following his court appearance last week, as reported by Wild Rivers. He provided a sticker that says free Alex Campbell to appear to be designed like Monopoly money. Campbell previously stated that he does indeed have a house in the county but he claimed he's renting a room in city limits from a friend of his adding he's currently living there i'm currently at that house right now campbell told wild rivers i do have a house in the county i stay there occasionally but my main official residence is on i street other details about his case weren't provided crescent city is located in del norte county located near the oregon california border in the northwestern part of the state I don't know. Like I said, um, there has to be something up with that. Because if you're currently living there, what? Did he lay there at night, like, in a conscience fit that he wasn't living at the address at the time of his register? I don't, I guess. I don't know. Maybe he was like, now that I'm here and people are going to be like, well, they didn't see him here before. He was the mayor. And now he's the mayor and he's here. Where did he come from? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Huh. here's a recap on the Aberdeen issue in Mississippi. A judge ordered a new runoff election for a city alderman seat after more than three quarters of absentee ballots cast in the June 2020 Democrat election runoff were found to be invalid while a notary involved in the election was arrested. So like you say, election fraud doesn't exist. I don't know. Apparently there's all kinds of election fraud, even down to the administrative work and... uh I don't know, maybe he was confused about where he lived or something. That's uh, that's a rather interesting interesting story there. But that's California for you. (laughs) Hey, it seems like the light is being shed on California, and I'm all for it. All right, let's see what's next up on... Did I? I didn't. I thought I did. I sure didn't. Oh, <laughs> ah. <laughs> It's Cuomo's nipples. <laughs> oh, oh! Wait, wait, wait! Which way did I go? Wait, ah! <laughs> wait, ah! There we go. <laughs> That's better. I'll get it right one day. Okay, so Cuomo's nipple ring. Sorry. Oh, but I, I didn't mean to tell you. There's a Cuomo story coming. Okay, so and let's talk a little bit about this too in a sec. But we'll we'll talk about this story here so everyone knows what's going on with Cuomo. Um, And and inquiring minds want to keep up with this uh, COVID nursing home death scandal that's happening in five states. We know Whitmer's up to be sued for refusing the data. We know Newsom's about to be uh, recalled, but it seems to have nothing to do with the COVID deaths. But we know in New York City that um, uh, the people, the constituency, the electorate are pissed about the things that happened in the nursing homes of New York State during the mandated uh, um, regulations that the Cuomo administration put under, of course, during this COVID administration. So uh, there's a lot of heat that should be coming from that. Actually, no, there is a lot of heat coming from the constituency about that. What's not coming from the media, however, is the relation of this crime. instead, what we are seeing here is it seems um I wouldn't necessarily I wouldn't necessarily say it's a straw man issue because in fact there are victims here, but uh <laughs> it's a total um to me it's kind of like a total cover up. it's kind of like a it's it's kind of like. There, the media is hyping this "Me Too" movement uh, thing, which is it's it's it is a terrible thing. But like, what is what is my number one joke been in regards to Cuomo and these aides that he is harassed? My number one joke has been it's going to come out that he just is really bad at hitting on women. And he's just so gross that they were so, you know, they felt violated because he's an affront to their very nature and he touched their boob, you know, (laughs) he patted them on the ass or something or, you know, I don't know. It's just he's terrible at at that, his love life, you know, but that I've joked about that because what what is being put on the back burner here, folks, is the fact that he has the the lives of. 15,000 9,000 15,000 I mean I've heard he successfully killed more people than Osama bin Laden if it was even Osama bin Laden <laughs> Even that is up for debate these days but um <laughs> you know like that's 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 murder you know like that is where the focus should be, but now we have these me too. So, okay. So let's, let's just see this through. Let's see this through after all right now, Whitmer is the only governor who really seems to be called out, but this is still moving forward with Cuomo. You know, they were still looking into um, all of that, but it's just the media The media is the one who is not really focusing on that, but let's continue to see what's going on with this story in Cuomo, uh, just to keep ourselves abreast on this uh, killer governor of the United States of America. In the state of New York, it says that New York State Assembly Republicans are to launch an impeachment effort against Cuomo. Republicans in the State Assembly on Monday drafted a resolution to impeach Governor Cuomo amid mounting allegations of inappropriate behavior with younger women and the scandal over nursing home deaths from COVID-19. The resolution will be formally introduced on Tuesday. Spokeswoman for Assembly Minority Leader Will Barclay, Republican of Syracuse, said... During a news conference earlier in the day, Barclay said, we're going to introduce this resolution because we believe the time has come. There's been one bombshell after another, Barclay said. I don't think I've used the term bombshell, especially this weekend, any time more in my life. Um, <clears throat> Barclay's comments came after two more women, former aides Annalise and Karen Hinton, on Saturday, brought the number of Cuomo's accusers to five. Wow, Cuomo. You know, after about this, uh, the third one, maybe, it was just frustrated desperation. Anyways, Hinton, the wife of lobbyist and former Cuomo administration official Howard Glasser, claims Cuomo twice pulled her into an intimate embrace. He was... leanin' in 2000 when he was the u.s housing secretary under then president bill clinton a short time after the gop announcement a group of 20 democratic assembly women including some of the chamber's most powerful members signaled they would impose or they would oppose impeachment proceedings before the conclusion of a pending probe of the allegations against cuomo that investigation is being conducted by outside lawyers hired Monday by Attorney General Letitia James. Very good. So we believe that Attorney General will exercise due process and expediency in her deliberations, the Democrat woman said. We request that she be allowed the appropriate time to complete her investigation rather than undermine her role and responsibility as a chief law enforcement of the state of New York. Assembly Majority Leader Crystal People Stokes, Democrat of Buffalo. Ways and Means Committee Chairwoman Helen Weinstein, Democrat of Brooklyn, and Assemblywoman Rodnice Bischot, Democrat of Brooklyn, who is also the Democrat, uh, Brooklyn Democrat Party Chairwoman, were among those who issued the statement. The dueling moves after Cuomo on Sunday reportedly told Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins of Yonkers, Democrat, that lawmakers would have to impeach him if they want him out of office. That conversation reported by the Associated Press came shortly before Cuomo publicly vowed for a second time to resign over the scandal, which led Stuart Cousins to issue a statement calling on him to quit. Every day there is another account that is drawing away from the business of government, she said. Governor Andrew Cuomo's mom, sister, rallied behind him, say he shouldn't resign. We need to govern without daily distraction. For the good of the state, Governor Cuomo must resign. Cuomo traveled to the Big Apple on Monday to visit the -the around-the-clock mass vaccination site at the Javits Center, with his office announcing announcing that 123,124 doses of coronavirus vaccine had been administered statewide in the past 24 hours, marking the best single-day performance in the nation. A black Chevy Tahoe with tinted windows also blocked traffic to give the sports cars clear passage on West 34th Street. Meanwhile, Mayor de Blasio again refused to say if he thought Cuomo should resign, largely echoing comments he made on Friday. I'll say it on my own time, Hisner said at his daily press brief. I just don't see how he can govern effectively when fewer and fewer people believe him. I think there's more information that's going to come out that makes it harder and harder. Asked for the comment on the GOP impeachment movement, Cuomo spokesman Rich Apazardi said, there's a job to be done and New Yorkers elected the governor to do it, which is why he's been focused on getting as many shots in arms as possible, making sure New York is getting its fair share of Washington's COVID relief package and working on a state budget that is due in three weeks. Now, not to be crass, but... For anyone who wears nipple rings like that, I would not ever take a shot from a person like that. Nuff said there, I'm sure. Okay, what's next? Oh, oh, oh. It's a picture of me hentai. <laughs> Down on the border. Past Mexico way? I don't know an old song my dad used to play on the radio or the radio used to play okay so let's talk a little bit about the texas mexico birder so we can uh we only have a few more stories for the night y'all it looks like we're doing an extra long we're doing a weekender special like you know we got to catch up and i told you there was news i told you there was news this weekend it seems like some people are running a little bit slow but i mean it's, it's 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 just some of the things that we're Some of the things that we're experiencing and, you know, uh, some people get jaded after a while. Some people, it's like, God, we talked about this stuff the last four years. But um, we mustn't get tired now, guys, because let me tell you what. Now is the time because it's the other team that's paying attention to speak. Texas launches operations to counter growing crisis at southern border. So yeah, we're not going to back up the federal government down there, but it looks like the state of Texas is uh, taking the border into its own hands. Let's find out how. This from the Epic Times, Texas Governor Greg Abbott launched a program on March 6th that will deploy state National Guard troops and personnel from other agencies to respond to the burgeoning crisis at the southern border. Abbott says Operation Lone Star, I like it, in collaboration with the state's Department of Public Safety, we will deploy air, ground, marine, and tactical border security assets to prevent Mexican criminal organizations from smuggling drugs and people into Texas. Hell yeah. Texas supports legal immigration, but will not be an accomplice to the open border policies that cause rather than prevent a humanitarian crisis in our state and endanger the lives of Texans, Abbott said in a statement to media outlets on March 6th. Okay, so pause. So I love this because again, another, what was it? Um, um, the the popular theme here is again, uh, states and uh the people standing up to the federal government, um, regardless of these executive orders that Biden passed, obviously in his I hate Trump uh, tantrums. I hate Trump. He had I hate Trump tantrums. Um, were no good for America. Uh, Trump had put in policies that were finally taking care of border issues, it seems in toto. And so the state of Texas is going to take these matters into our own hands we're gonna we're gonna put a moratorium on biden moratorium of uh you know Im- immigrant release illegal, illegal alien detainee we're gonna put a moratorium on his moratorium first of all we're not gonna release immigrants into america sorry joe that's just not gonna happen all right and now we're also gonna send in the Calvary to ensure that these people are taken care of Um, and then hopefully they'll they'll do a complete uh, takeover of the federal uh, compounds down there whatever facilities and make sure they keep that rolling now as far as the bureaucratic side of all that is concerned I don't know Democrat and uh, liberal bureaucrats tend to go hard 95% of the time. So they might slow roll everything. And I don't know. We got to find, we got to get a mole on the inside of these Texas people because the Texas Democrats, they can be, they can be hardcore. All right. Um, And especially since they're a dying breed. I mean, come on, 35 corridor and major city centers. That's about all you're going to see in Texas. That's blue. All right, so uh, let's get back to this article here. Texas supports, oh, we talked about that. The announcement comes as the number of legal crossings at the southern border continues its steady rise since October of last year. The number of encounters at the southwest border between October 2020 and January 2021 was 296,259, an increase from 164,932 during the year uh, the year earlier period, according to data from the U.S. custom and Border Patrol, representing a seventy nine point six percent increase. Meanwhile, Reuters has reported, citing anonymous sources, that the number of illegal immigrants apprehended by U.S. border agents spiked even further for the month of February, at nearly one hundred thousand detained. What the hell? Like, where were these people hiding the entire time? Like, just a thousand people suddenly, a hundred thousand people in one freaking month just suddenly appear. Since taking office, Biden has reversed several Trump-era border security measures that sought to stem the flow of illegal immigration at the southern border and increase America's public security. A sharp increase in unaccompanied minors arriving at the border in recent weeks has prompted the Biden administration to open more overflow shelters to handle the influx, Department of Homeland Security, DHS Security uh, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said on March 1st that instead of expelling young children to Mexico while processing their asylum claims, as was done under the Trump administration, DHS is working to release minors to relatives or sponsors in the United States if the minors are from Guatemala, Honduras, or El Salvador. Some of the immigration policies that Biden implemented include temporarily ending former President Donald Trump's migrant protection protocols, which sent illegal immigrants back to Mexico while their cases were decided. He has also reversed Trump's ban on travel from terror-prone countries, halted the remaining construction of the border wall and has issued a sweeping immigration package to Congress that offers a legalization pathway to an estimated 11 million illegal immigrants already in the country. These actions have drawn widespread criticism, in particular from Trump. Our border is now totally out of control thanks to the disastrous leadership of Joe Biden, Trump wrote in a statement released March 5th through an intermediary. Our great Border Patrol and ICE agents Uh, have been disrespected, demeaned, and mocked by the Biden administration, Trump said, referring to the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency. A mass incursion into the country by people who should not be here is happening on an hourly basis, getting worse by the minute. Many have criminal records and many others have and are spreading COVID, he wrote. Earlier this month, a large group of migrants seeking to cross the U.S.-Mexico border held a demonstration in Mexico calling for Biden to let them into the United States. They're like, Oye's Biden! Let us in. Biden hasn't yet acknowledged the crisis or announced any concrete plans to address the growing numbers of illegal crossings. When asked by a reporter this week whether there's a crisis at the border, Biden replied, No, we'll be able to handle it. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, Republican of California, sent a letter to Biden on March 5th requesting a meeting to address the issue, saying he has great concern about how his administration is handling the border crisis. We must acknowledge the border crisis, develop a plan, and in no uncertain terms, strongly discourage individuals from Mexico and Central America from ever making the dangerous journey to our southern border, McCarthy wrote. Well, Mr. McCarthy... I apologize that you do not have a governor like the governor of Texas to, you know, kind of take care of your own border. Um, Sorry, I guess that's why they're going to recall Newsom (laughs) because uh, the man does not give a whack about his state or the people in it. Okay, let's see what's left for tonight. Okay, we're going to do one more story. I had a couple more queued up, but we'll do one more story. And then we will call it an evening here at the Sea Report for Monday, March 8th, as it is now Tuesday, March 9th, especially on the East Coast over there. Hey, people on the East Coast. All right. I know uh, this one I just thought we should go ahead and talk about. It's an international story. We had a couple. We were going to round the night with some international stories. We'll see. But this one was about Iran. Iran keeps coming into the stories, the headlines more and more every day. Thanks a lot, President Biden. What's he going to do now? Okay, well, this one kind of caught my attention. Uh, This story is from the Gateway Pundit. It says Biden approves the release of $3 billion of Iran's funds into Iraq, Oman, and South Korea. So... Illegitimate Joe, president Select Biden, has released Iran's money, $3 billion worth of it, into Iraq, Oman, and South Korea. And now, what were we wondering? Are we going to see any more war going on here, especially with Lloyd Austin? Okay, so Lloyd Austin did bomb a city that, hypoth- uh, that theoretically was over a deep underground military base that was housing, child trafficking operations. Granted, that is on the periphery. We do know that he also has several fingers into military contracts. Oh, the speculation abounds. But this $3 billion of Iran money fueling whatever operations in Iraq, Oman, and South Korea when we've already seen aggression against the United States in Syria with a proxy army funded by Iran from iraq let's uh, what else could go wrong sir biden what other new wars are we going to stoke he's like i can't start all the wars let's just release these funds so they can start wars over there and then we can look like the good guys dag nabbit jesus christ can i look like a good guy for once now go start a war here have this money that's what biden's saying all right. Iranian-backed Iraqi military uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Iranian-backed Iraqi militias were likely behind a deadly rocket barrage on a US-led coalition based in northern Iraq in February. This is what I was talking about. According to NBC, the attack featured at least 14 177mm rockets, a favored weapon supplied by Iran to the militias. But this does not dissuade Joe Biden from releasing $3 billion of Iran's funds, which previously had been sanctioned by Trump, into Iraq, Oman, and South Korea. It's uh, exactly like that time that President Obama gave uh, Iran pallets of cash that were flown into Iran. Barack Obama notoriously notoriously bribed the Ayatollahs with a pallet of cash on a tarmac to make a deal with the United States. Apparently, there is nothing Iran can do to push the Biden administration away from nonsense nuclear talks with the terror regime. El Arabia, Arabia reports... The United States has agreed to the release of $3 billion in Iranian funds that have been frozen in Iraq, Oman, and South Korea due to Washington sanctions, Iranian trade official Hamid Hosseini told the semi-official Fars News Agency on Sunday. Hosseini, board members of the Iran-Iraq Joint Chamber of Commerce, had tweeted on Friday that Washington approved the release of frozen Iranian assets at the Trade Bank of Iraq, Without mentioning the value of the assets. Hosseini on Sunday confirmed that the U.S. agreed to the release of $3 billion in Iranian frozen assets in three countries. U.S. sanctions imposed by former President Donald Trump have prevented Iran from accessing tens of thousands or tens of billions of its assets in foreign banks. Iranian Frozen assets in Iraq amount to more than six billion dollars, according to Iranian officials. The head of the Iranian, uh, Iran South Korea Chamber of Commerce said in October, Iranian frozen funds in South Korea are worth eight point five billion, and added that the release depended on the outcome of the United States presidential election so leave it up to joe illegitimate as he is to go soft on iran and encourage them to poke more wars into an otherwise peaceful last four years of president donald trump may he return optically or something anyways all right folks Thanks for tuning in to the C Report for tonight. We will be back again tomorrow. Uh, Tomorrow here on Twitch on the Q and A Holes Network (laughs) or what have you uh, channel. uh, I believe we'll be. Something is haunting the town. Adam Longoria has gone missing, and his sister claims she's been seeing a bad man in the shadows. Jesse Bachman confronts a terror that is haunting the town of Suval. But will he be able to stop a pure evil that wants him dead? Get the chilling new novella by Michael Aaron Casitas, author of The Distance to the End. A Trick of the Eyes, a stunning new work of horror that is keeping readers turning the page. Get A Trick of the Eyes anywhere books are sold, online or in stores, ask for it by name. A Trick of the Eyes by Michael Aaron Casares.